Hello, and welcome to the Procurement Game Changers podcast, brought to you by Consulting Quest. Ever wondered how the leaders get it done? What differentiates them from the rest of us? Let's tune in and learn from the best leaders in the procurement space. Let's do it. And now, over to your host, Helen Lafitte. Welcome to the Procurement Game Changers, the podcast for leaders that make a difference. Today, we'll be talking about digital transformation. And to discuss that topic, I'm very happy to receive Thomas Wimmer. Thomas is the Global Indirect Procurement and Digital Transformation Director at Juniper Networks. Juniper Networks is leading the revolution in networking, making it one of the most exciting technology company in the Silicon Valley today. Thomas has more than 25 years of experience and expertise that spans the execution of business transformation initiatives, negotiations, and operations management. Welcome to the show, Thomas. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Thomas, could you tell us what led you to procurement? So I started in procurement uh, after starting a career in business development and strategic planning. So uh, when I started in procurement, uh, it was uh, early 2000s. And uh, the idea in, back in those years is we had a lot of uh, merger and acquisition happening in the chemical industry. So in those years, I was in the chemical industry. And really what uh, the organizations were looking for is to create a new dynamic uh, when those companies were created through the procurement organizations and, uh, and supplier management. And what they were really looking for were business savvy uh, talent, I guess, uh, who had the leadership skills and uh, move procurement out of the standard uh, quality management execution uh, approach into a more uh, business savvy uh, supplier management approach. So that was really how it started. All right. So we talk a lot about digital transformation and its impact on procurement. And actually, when I talk to procurement leaders, they often have a budget for digital tools rather than support to transform their processes and practices. So the thing is, digital transformation is about changing the ways of working first and digital tools second. So Thomas, can you give us your vision on what is digital transformation for procurement? Yeah, so it's... Um... <laughs> This is a very interesting question, right? Because you're right. Most often it starts with a tool to be selected uh, one after the other, and then eventually build a user experience that goes, goes with it, and then hopefully get an ROI out of it. When you do this several times, you discover that it's probably the wrong approach, right? Uh, so the problem that we have in the industry, when I say industry, is the procurement industry in general, is that uh, there's not too much experience yet happening. That means that nobody's really taking the time to really evaluate what is really that you're looking for, what is the why, uh, why do you need that, what is you're trying to accomplish, uh, and then let the budget constraints run free and not put yourself immediately in the budget constraints. Of course, if you have a very, very, very tiny budget, then I guess you don't have a digital transformation anyhow. But uh, uh, and we will come on back, I guess, that later there is a minimum of budget for that. But you should really start with the thinking about what is it that you try to accomplish? What is it that the organization today is not really uh, tackling properly from the supplier end? And what is the, the talent that you want to have and where are you going? 
And then from there on, you build your plan and your budgets. But very often we start completely reverse, which is the biggest mistake. Yeah, so let's start with the wrong end. And so, uh, there are so many startups you know, within the digital space, digital procurement space. How can you explain all those options to a CEO? So where, where do you start? So the comfort very often comes with a logo, right? It means that you have a consulting company who brings a logo in. The comfort comes also in from technology companies who have proven their, their level of satisfaction. Uh, most often they're big software houses uh, and it's really a multi-million dollar ticket at that point. The startups is a completely different scenario. You can, you can try and test with relatively low budget, uh, but they're young companies, they're not mature uh, and you need to work with them. So there's a requirement of having a project structure that follows very closely with that startup and accept the fact that you're building the business case, right? You, the account that you're bringing, they will sell it and it's fine. Uh, you will benefit from it. And the startups can give organizations a new way to do business, um, but it requires a lot of flexibility and a different mindset for sure. Yeah. yeah. And obviously, as you were saying, a lot of startups are building as they go the tool. So uh, it's yeah. the pros and cons of having something that is maybe more customized with what you need, but it, it means that you need to involve your teams more uh, at the beginning. So you get something that is workable at the end. Yes, that's correct. So when you, when you build that budget, you have the software costs, you have the integration cost, and then you have the change management cost, right? And very often those three um, do not necessarily get analyzed from the beginning and mm -hmm. the startup management will always on the sales side at the beginning try to get your business and they will really try uh, to do all the extra steps the problem is that once you start and launch they run out of steam and then they need to move to the next account and that's when the frustration starts so the reality is that you need to stay engaged and you cannot count on on the supplier that they do all the work for you right they would simply not. Or then you go into a consulting SOW, which is a different business model. Uh, mm -hmm. And probably it's a good thing to plan for an SOW on the consulting side at the same time. Yeah, that's interesting. So what about the return on investment? And, and what can companies really expect from their digital transformation? Yeah, so those are two schools of thoughts, right? You have the first school of thought is the hard dollar payback, right? Which is probably true for organizations who are not that mature yet uh, and have a lot of unmanaged spend, uh, unmanaged uh, suppliers and a level of complexity that has never really been uh, addressed, either because of the history of the company or because they went through multiple mergers and acquisitions and things that not be aligned. So this is almost what I call the low hanging fruits. And then mm -hmm. you have the, the other type of companies who are much more mature over the last 10, 15 years. They have already a P2P. They, they went through multiple restructuring. And that ROI gets, uh, gets more based on the user experience. Now, how do you measure user experience and user satisfaction? Simplicity and speed of execution gets much harder. At that point, the, uh, the transformation agent, so to speak, needs to spend time and educate the finance organization and the upper management in order to rebalance both of them. You need the money for sure, otherwise why invest? At the same time, the, the benefits of the digital transformation brings you on new avenues, which is kind of the big thing nowadays, right? The diversity, the sustainability, the eco-green initiative, the, 
the values on, on how you want to do business, etc. It brings you on that path. Uh, and there is a, what I call a dimension of belief that needs to be part of it. You have to believe in what you do. Yes. Uh, so one thing that I've noticed, in particular in our very niche category, which is consulting, is that what digital may bring to the table is finally the ability to have an overview of what's happening in the category because it's scattered in the company. So it's not real hard dollar value, as you say, but for procurement, this is so valuable to finally know who is spending what on what type of project. And it's, it goes to your point that there might be some unexpected value in, in the digital transformation that cannot be measured in dollars. Per se. So you're, you're touching on a very interesting point, right? The, the interesting point is that traditionally procurement systems have developed it through the purchase order accounts payable. So whatever the invoice says, that's what you get as an information. The, the digitalization now touches on pretty much uh, on everything else than what you see in an invoice, like what is the value of a SOW, right? And, and the consulting, mm -hmm. uh, what is the return of investment of the time spent? So those are not always materialistic uh, outputs that you can see through the normal traditional P2P. So I think the procurement organization is now extremely challenged. And I think actually the innovation will come through the startups in the sense of, you see, we speak so much about AI and, and artificial intelligence, but the AI is, becomes only intelligence when you start to bring in multiple sources of information and, and then somehow you can, you can cross them. But if you have only the traditional supplier onboarding, P2P and contract management, frankly speaking, you don't really, really create a digitalization. It's the premise of a digitalization, but uh, it's, it's a necessary step, but you haven't reached the digitalization yet. So the challenge for our industry in short is that, and we are not completely there in reality. There's a mm -hmm. lot of deep writing on it, but we are not really there. So data crossing each other in terms of information is a hard step to overcome especially as we are today in, in the cybersecurity, information security, privacy, and many laws happening in many countries, uh, is it, also a barrier for those uh, information transfer from, from one to the other. Yeah. So that's the 2025 journey, if you want. And, and um, not to go too far, but th that's when I'm a strong believer that that's when the platforms will come. So you will probably see if I, if I would take a... <laughs> And my crystal ball, I would say by 25, 28, we will not speak anymore about individual softwares for procurement. You join the platform and it's just there. You don't need a purchase order. You don't, it's like the Venmo in the US of in credit cards where you don't need an invoice. You don't need this and that. You just, it just gets paid, right? Yes. Uh, and you don't need to supply onboarding. The suppliers are already in the platform. You don't need every time negotiate your terms and conditions. They are standard for everybody. If you join the platform, that's what you accept. And maybe certain things you can adjust. That's where it's coming. We are not there at all yet. Uh, so everything, pretty much what we do sounds a little bit depressing, but it's more to prepare for the next wave to come. But if you don't do it, you're really, really behind. <laughs> so let's talk about resistance. You know, what are the main resistances and how to overcome them in, in that preparation of the next wave? The change management in general is a budget that gets early cut because nobody really understands it. Where's mm -hmm. the money coming back? Uh, people should adapt. They should understand. The reality is that everybody likes what they do. Um, people are comfortable. 
uh, it's it's really a little bit of psychology uh, coaching in, in a certain way. Uh, but the management has a big role to play, right? Uh, and then you can have a different type of situations. Either you do all that for headcount reductions. If that's the case, then just say it. You're better off to just say it and say what, what you're trying to achieve. Everybody makes their own decisions, those who stay, those who leave, that's it. Or you're saying, no, we are not doing this for headcount reduction. We are doing this for an enhancement of capabilities. If you're on the enhancement of capabilities, uh, there will be a dead time in a certain way where you build out those capabilities. The team members don't see the output yet. And that can take six to nine months to 12 months. So mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of hand holdings and explanations and spending time that it will be fine at the end. But yes, uh, your world will be rocked, that's for sure, right? And it's not for everybody at the end game, right? Uh, there's a lot to learn. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, when you belong to an organization that is going through this, uh, you, you need to be willing to learn on your own, right? M make yourself available to learn. Uh, and that's probably at least 10, 15 hours a month, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what do you do for yourself, right? Uh, and, and most people, yeah, they just don't do it, right? True. And I think that goes back to what you were saying. You need to be a believer at some point yes. that it's bringing value. And maybe the toughest challenge for the project leaders in a digital transformation is to get other leaders to believe because it's kind of spreading through through that you can only get on board and and really embrace digital transformation if you believe in the benefits for yourself and for your organization which, which brings to a, an interesting point is that it's becoming a profession almost right uh, in the sense that if you do it once you don't don't do so well it's like anything in life if you do it three four five times now you start to develop a second sense of what can work and what cannot work it's not a recognized profession yet in reality actually it's the opposite uh, it's the fuse of the system very often the statistics unfortunately show that it's a little bit improving but over the last year still is that uh, the transformation agent is the one that loses very often first his or her job simply because it's an easy fuse right he mm -hmm. or she not able to explain they didn't understand our culture went too fast went too slow and, and all that um things have have improved lately but uh, uh, it becomes a profession it's important to keep the fundamental of the profession if you're in sales it's in sales it's customer service customer service procurement is procurement where you apply uh, what you know in a new direction and for those who want to go into that career ladder, um, I really recommend to take some classes, schools, certifications, uh, uh, because the, the academia behind it uh, puts things back in perspective versus just go by feelings, right? Certain things are normal and other things you just don't know. I think it's a new career ladder that will develop uh, quite quickly and companies will pay for that, that's for sure, right? You know, let's talk about a little bit about, you know, how to hire and keep young professionals. So I, I've heard that that was very difficult these days to get uh, the right people, but to keep them as well in, in procurement careers. So do you think that going digital could help attract and retain talents? The, the simple answer is yes. Uh, and I think that's one, one of the main reasons, uh, personally, I spend a lot of time on that, of course, is to bring the value to the company. But the value to the company comes also through the talent, right? Um, I, I, I believe that um, for those who have, uh, let's say, 10, 15, even 20 years of experience, and when they look for new opportunities, you need to give them a work environment that is not too complicated, not too hard, and, 
And so the old days when somebody sends you a, a flat file that you need to go on spend hours and building the tableaus and or the excels and the pivots, when you're done with it, you're exhausted. You don't even have the energy anymore to look at what you have even built, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, the talent is looking for organizations that are dynamic. Yeah, many people apply to companies where they can continue to grow, but grow from the knowledge perspective. So, I mean, you mm-hmm. have in, it's not so much in the procurement world, but it's coming also in the IT world. People join certain companies because they work on this type of software so they can get certified, they can build a brand for themselves, and then they move on. Um, the digitalization has a benefit for, for both ends. The first end is for the company because for those who want to rotate, company stays stable. Uh, but it's a great way to attract the right people also, ensuring that you're dynamic, you're modern, and the job or career that people are joining, uh, the organization at least is trying to create a comfort level uh, that goes with all type of uh, setups nowadays, right? Post-COVID, is it a hybrid mode? Is it a remote? Uh, remote-based, is it office-based? And we don't really know yet how organizations, companies will set themselves up, right? So there's there's a lot of choices. And um, yeah, it's important to be cost-competitive, but also um, create this work environment, in this case, the digital work environment, where it's not so hard to start and perform, right? That That's the key thing, I think. Yeah. So now let's talk about risks. You know, how do you manage risks during a digital transformation? <laughs> the risk is to collapse, right? Uh, the, the biggest risk is to collapse that when you start to dismantle and the organization is not ready yet, and then uh, you start to rebuild, and in the middle, everybody gives up. Um, I have seen uh, probably 10 years ago situations where the, the, the top management suddenly got scared and just wrote it off, stop everything. So um, just was too much, too much, too fast uh, at that time. Today, it's less, right? Uh, but I think that's the biggest risk. The other big risk is that it's a big distraction to the organization, right? So you spend a lot of meetings, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have to, to execute and deliver. So how to execute and deliver while a big portion of that organization is focusing on the transformation, you need to find the right balance. Now, the next risk is that people get a little bit jealous. Right? For example, he or she gets moved into the transformation and I'm stuck in the execution because I'm good in execution, I'm good in negotiation, but I'm not really part of the new wave. So you have to manage this type of sentiments where uh, both groups are needed. And, and if you can, depending on the size of the organization, the best is to do some kind of rotation among people so everybody stays engaged. But yeah, depends on how big the organization is. Uh, nowadays, it's rare that you do that in one country. So you do it in, mi- in different countries, different time zones, uh, how large the organization is. So all those aspects need to be uh, taken into account uh, uh, when, when that movement starts to happen. And it's a journey that will last from the risk perspective. Uh, I think it takes easy 15 to 18 months, uh, and then it goes down. But you need to yeah. survive those 18 months. Right? And you have to be consistent during. You have to be consistent and deliver because at the end of the day, uh, mm-hmm. the CEO wants the money, right? <laughs> so, for, uh, direct or indirect, do you think that digital transformation for procurement applies more to direct, indirect, same? What What's your opinion on that? I think it's different. Um, the, the common factor is learn how to integrate data from the outside into the inside. Many companies have started to work in data lakes. 
where you can bring information in and then you bring them out. Um, the, the direct side is moving more and more into uh, geopolitical risks, commodity risk management, uh, planning, um, lead time. So the, the gap between direct sourcing, especially if you're in manufacturing, I guess, I guess the direct means mostly manufacturing to make mm -hmm. it really simple. The gap between planning, inventory, lead time, it's getting closer and closer. So if I will redesign something tomorrow, I, I will do an end-to-end -end from that end, right? And probably walk away from the traditional procurement KPI. Uh, on the indirect side, uh, you're really joined by the hip with compliance and legal. It's finance, legal, compliance that gives the drive. And the most difficult that uh, most companies still suffer um, is not just to have access to the information and, and get the ready to go decision proposal, so to speak, by the computer to the strategic source leader, but is the user experience. How, how can it make easy to a point that almost the normal requester of the company doesn't even know that the procurement exists, right? That, that yeah. would be the ideal dream situation. You just need it and somehow you get it, right? In the morning, you switch on the electricity, you have light. You go to a seat, there is a chair waiting for you. Uh, you need um, a screen, you click, you have it, right? And it's not so easy because those who are not part uh, of the procurement world don't always realize all the, uh, the standards that procurement is executing on behalf of legal and compliance and audit and finance, while procurement is not really making any rule, right? I mean, they can influence the rules, but they don't own the rules. So, so that's that's the downsize. And again, back to platforms, that, that's my big hope in the years to come, that the platform will just wash all that out. Right? So now, now it's time to your takeaway. What is the one thing that all listeners should remember from, from this conversation? Yeah, I think everybody can do uh, a piece uh, in the transformation management. Uh, everybody should reflect, are you a small company, medium or large? I think that the world is changing and, uh, and the best way to, to capture uh, all the, the sustainability, the eco-green initiatives, the diversity, the building and remote employees and motivation and hiring is to engage on that path. So don't be afraid. And the takeaway that I would like to say is, is probably one point is that Failing is part of the journey. Allow yourself to fail. Allow yourself to miss an investment, but in a controlled environment and lessons learned environment, and the growth will come naturally. That's the biggest takeaway. No, no, it's it's a little bit like you know. I think there's a quote from Nelson Mandela saying that I never fail. I I just learn. That's, That's the idea. Quote. If you're in controlled environment, then even when you fail, you take it early enough so you can just you know adjust the course of the journey and you don't take too much of a loss in the process. That's correct. Well, thank you, Thomas. Thank you. That was very interesting. Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me. So now it's your turn to tell us about your experience and your challenges in the comment section on the digital transformation front. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to be notified when a new episode is out. Thank you for listening. Thank you again, Thomas, for your time. And I hope you enjoy this episode. And if that's the case, don't forget to give us a hand up. Happy sourcing to you all. Au revoir. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode of our Procurement Game Changers series. But we'll soon be back with yet another exciting session with one of the movers and shakers from the procurement space. Meanwhile, remember to visit our website at consultingquest.com for more consulting updates and procurement know-how, and join us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn.
Until then, goodbye from the entire Consulting Quest family. Have a great day.